Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Hey everybody, my name is Ryan Alexander. I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. So good to be with you, whether you're joining us online or at one of our four campuses, we do believe the Lord led you here. And I want to add my pastoral encouragement uh, to take Financial Peace University. In this area of our lives, there can be a lot of unease and frustration, and, and there's no way to really have peace unless that area of our lives is in order. And Financial Peace University is the best resource out there in terms of helping people discover and live God's way for our finances. So check it out. We uh, are in a series called Our Imperfect Family. And a number of years ago, we did a series called No Perfect People Allowed. And that series was really helpful for a number of reasons. One, all the perfect people left after that series and went to another church, and we're okay with that. Uh, Secondly, it kind of leveled the playing field. It it reminded us, and scripture is so clear on this, that we are all equally beautiful and broken. Beautiful, created in God's image, broken. We're part of this fallen, sinful humanity. All human beings are equal. And as we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. this weekend, his legacy that, that all people are equal and that all people are to be treated equally. Um, we remember and we pray that that would continue to be increasingly true in our country. May it be so. And then the third thing uh, this series, No Perfect People Allowed, did for us is that it just took that option off the table, being perfect. Yeah, we could stop beating ourselves up over that. that we, we could... Stop pursuing and giving energy and time to this unattainable goal of perfection. And in doing so, it frees us up to just get about the business of living our lives and making progress with God's help. One step at a time as people and as families. Now, because we've we've spent more time with people in our households than than ever before over these last 10, 11 months, uh, it has exposed some of that beauty, and also some of the brokenness, the tensions and the cracks in our lives. And we see this series as an opportunity to identify those growth opportunities and to actually begin to take steps of progress in this unique season. And if you have kids at home, no area has been tested more than this one. Even under normal circumstances, discipline is so challenging for us as parents, isn't it? We've said in this series that there's no such thing as a perfect family, and that's true. There's no perfect family in the Bible. There's no perfect family in the world. There's no perfect family in this church. And there is no perfect family in our home. When it comes to this topic of discipline, the experience of discipline, certainly for us, it's been a growing, evolving trial and error uh, learning from our mistakes kind of experience. And we have tried just about every trick in the book. We, as parents, (laughs) have this experience where where what works, this is so frustrating, is it? What works with one kid doesn't work with the other at all. And so so discipline and learning how to discipline our kids is, is so challenging. 
And speaking of trial and error, especially true of our firstborns, right? When, we're, when we first become parents, sorry, firstborns. <laughs> sorry to you. I mean, we really, really didn't know what we were doing a lot of the time. And, I, and I, I think we were micromanaging every little behavior because we didn't want you to turn into psychopaths or something. Right? I think of an experience with our, our firstborn. He was about one years old. We were staying at our, my in-law's house and, and down in the basement bedroom, which used to be my brother-in-law's room. And, uh, and he, when, when he was in high school, he had a bunch of posters up, just stayed up after he left the house. And so, so we, we put our oldest down there in the crib. There was a poster of an 80s rock band right above the crib. What's scarier than an 80s rock band, right? Especially to a one-year-old. And then we left and say, okay, you need to go to sleep on your own. We go upstairs and he'd scream and cry. But no, he needed to learn how to self-soothe, put himself to bed, right? Discipline himself to, to fall asleep. Horrible parenting, Right? And it's in that situation, I mean, the kid's so far away, and it's scary, and the 80s rock band. But I know what was driving that, for me at least, is I slept on my parents' floor until I was 12, and I didn't want to repeat that pattern with my own kids. And it's good to think about not repeating patterns with our kids. You know, you might be someone who isn't raising kids right now. You haven't, or you already did, or you, you don't ever plan to. And, and so you're asking, what does this message mean for me? And it's a great question. And I would say to you, much of what we're going to be talking about in this message applies to, to just about any relationship. And just, just about everything we're going to be talking about this, in this message applies to leadership. There are lots of parallels between parenting and leadership. So I encourage you to look at this message through those lenses. There is so much that could be said about discipline, this topic of discipline. So I'm going to say what I think matters most, more than anything else, and it's this. There is a world of difference between discipline and punishment. There's a world of difference. I know we use them synonymously, almost interchangeably, but, but discipline and punishment have different goals. They have different outcomes. They're driven by different internal forces, motivation. World of difference. So what exactly is the difference? I'm not gonna tell you yet. I will eventually, but for now, just know that knowing the difference between these two makes all the difference in the short term and in our long-term relationships with our kids. But don't just take my word for it. Let's, let's get into God's word. Now you can open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Words will also be on the screen. We're gonna, we're gonna start at verse five. But first of all, I, I wanna just encourage you to go back and read verses one through four. There's some great encouragement in there. Just general encouragement for parents that, that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses just be re, to, it's good to be reminded that there are billions of people right now who are parenting kids throughout history, right? That, that you're not alone in this. And, and this church family is part of that cloud of witnesses with you, cheering you on, supporting you. There's a sense for that spiritually. And then he says to run with endurance. We need endurance as parents, just in life. But as parents, we certainly need endurance. Some of you right now, and I just want to pray right now that supernaturally you would get a boost of endurance for your situation. And then lastly, he talks about, the writer of Hebrews talks about keeping our eyes on Jesus. And that's true in parenting. It's true when there's craziness and chaos going on around us, even in our country. Don't fix your eyes on Fox News or CNN or social media. Fix your eyes on Jesus, on Jesus. That's verses one through four. And then the writer of Hebrews says this in verse five. It says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? 
He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Disciplines those he loves. Discipline, true discipline, as modeled perfectly by the Lord, is driven by love. The world of difference between discipline and punishment can be summed up in one word, love. Discipline driven by love, punishment driven by something else. Now, full disclosure, in the NLT version of the Bible, the one I just read, it goes on to say, the rest of verse six, it says he punishes each one he accepts as his child. What's going on here? I thought you said that discipline and punishment didn't go together. But, but the, the translation there of the Greek isn't, isn't quite right. Punish, punishes isn't quite right. And the Greek word there literally means to cover over everything, to chastise or to correct verbally or otherwise. But, but, but I think correct is a better translation here, especially because the writer of Hebrews is quoting Proverbs 3.12 from the Old Testament here, which says in the NLT, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So God's punishment, his correction, even when he chastises his children, it's driven by light, at love and delight. He delights in his children, and therefore he wants to discipline them out of that love. Punishment, on the other hand, is driven by something else. Look at this verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Fear and punishment go together. We punish out of fear. Punishment certainly is intended to provoke, evoke fear, to produce fear, right? I want to put the fear of the Lord into my children when I'm punishing them. Fear. It also is driven by fear in us. Oh, my kids are embarrassing me, or they're going to embarrass me, or I'm ashamed by how they acted, and so it creates this anxiety, insecurity, and fear that rises up in us. Someone shared with me recently that anytime we're in a situation where we need to correct our, our children, there are two experiences or dimensions there. There's the behavior that needs to be corrected, but there's also the emotion that we're feeling inside about that, which may also need to be corrected because it might be based on fear. So here's the most important thing to be said about discipline. The world of difference between discipline and punishment, it's this. We punish out of fear. We discipline out of love. We punish out of fear. We discipline out of love. Now, what does this difference between discipline and punishment look like in real life, in actuality, as it plays out? I asked the Lord that question, and he showed me, he showed me this. <laughs> Here's Forky again. Is Pastor Ryan going to have Forky in every message this year? Not every message. But he didn't show me Forky. He showed me the chair. Right, that, that there's a, a difference between punishment and discipline. Punishment is, okay, you are in trouble. You sit here. You're not going to move. I'm going to control you. I'm going to keep you right here because I'm afraid of what you might do now and in the future. You are punished. And in this experience, it's, it's fear-based and we're, we're coming over our kids and it keeps them stuck Right there. Discipline, on the other hand, is very different. It's not 
What can I do to keep them still or stuck? But how do I get them unstuck? How do I correct them? How do I teach them? How do I kind of empower them and help them rise so that they don't stay stuck in this chair, that they continue to grow and get taller and taller and taller in their lives? That's the difference between punishment and discipline. And if punishment is coming over someone, discipline is coming under them. How do I lift them up, get them unstuck from what's keeping them stuck? So maybe what we should be asking ourselves, thanks Forky, is when we're about to correct our kids, is, is this going to help them grow and, and get taller or is this going to keep them stuck? Here are a few more nuggets on godly discipline in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10. It says, that, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. Let me just pause there pastorally for a moment. A couple of things. For a few years. Two-sided coin here to recognize that this is a short window of time we have with our kids. There's that saying where we're raising kids, the days are long, but the years are short. Our our youngest just turned seven, which means we're no longer going to have a six-year-old. Something magical about age six is that poem that now I think I'll stay six forever and ever. I, I shed some tears over that this past week. It's a short period of time. And at the same time, the other side of the coin is, you know, we have a certain amount of influence, but it's not all on us. It's for a few years. And then there's going to be more time in their lives and more influences, a cloud of witnesses around them. Don't put all the pressure on us. And then that last phrase, best they knew how. Best they knew how. I believe there's some healing in those words for some of us. That we did the best we knew how as parents. That they did the best they knew how. There's grace to be extended there. There's healing to be experienced there. Will you just repeat after me? I did the best I knew how. Repeat this after me. They did the best they knew how. The rest of verse 10 says this. God's discipline is always good for us though, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, but afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. God's discipline or godly discipline isn't fun while it's happening. It hurts a little bit. No pain, no gain. Our kids do need to learn that there are consequences to sin. They need to learn that in the environment of our home so that when they go out into the real world, they understand there are consequences. We see people in the public sphere who act like there are no consequences to their words and behavior. We need to teach our kids that there are. And, and when we do, it's good for us. And it leads to peace and right living or righteousness for, for those who are trained and, dis, and disciplined this way. So how do we grow? How do we make progress in using godly discipline with our children versus punishment? And truthfully, punishment is way easier. It's easier to just say, sit here, right? Stay right here. It takes more time and creativity and energy to, to discipline versus punish. But the, the difference in outcomes is worth it. So three Bible-based principles of godly discipline. The first one is say what you mean, mean what you say. Jesus says it this way. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Say what you mean, mean what you say. But don't be mean. Mean, mean what you say. Say what you mean, mean what you say. But don't be mean. Colossians 3.21 says, don't exacerbate or irritate or annoy your children. 
they'll lose heart. Now, if you're parenting a teenager, you walk into the room and you annoy them. So there's no way around that. But you know what I'm saying. Don't, don't be so harsh and constant and overbearing that they start to lose heart. And when talking to our kids, let's avoid, I need to remind myself of this, avoid sarcasm and shame. Even teasing. I know some of you, teasing's your love language, right? But, but they get enough of that out there. Let's make our homes and, and their relationship with their parents a refuge from that kind of talk. Plus, parents, our words weigh a thousand pounds with our kids, especially dads. Some of you can still remember 40, 50, 60 years ago what your parents said to you, something that they said to you. Our six year, now seven-year-old <laughs> came to me recently, and he shared something just that I had said a few years ago. And it wasn't even exactly what I'd said, but it's how he heard it, and that it had just stuck with him. And he shared that with me. And because our words weigh thousands of pounds, let's use them to speak life and affirmation over our kids. We need to affirm our kids at least five times as many times as we critique or criticize them to build them up. Maybe you've heard this, uh, catch them doing it right, or what gets rewarded gets repeated. I like to say it this way, affirmation inspires more. Affirm that behavior that they, they need to grow in when you see it. We need to measure our words. Follow through is critical. Right? If we don't follow through on what we say, say what we mean, mean what we say, they won't take us seriously when we need to say something really important. And, and yet, make sure before you say something, you're ready to follow through on it. Remember that show Modern Family? Went off the air a couple of years ago, I think, and, and Phil Dumpke, the dad, I remember this episode so vividly because it's just so classic. We've all done this. But he was getting frustrated with his kids and finally it was December. He finally goes, that's it. We're not having Christmas this year. <laughs> and the whole episode is him walking that back, right? Which we probably should walk something like that back. But we gotta make sure we're ready to follow through on what we say. Lastly, choose your, on this one, uh, under say what you mean, mean what you say, choose your battles. You know, first time parents, everything is a battle. We gotta correct every behavior, but but as you get older, you realize, you know, we've got to choose our battles. And at the same time, don't avoid all battles. Because battles today will become wars someday. Another way to think about this is when they're smaller, the stakes are smaller. So correcting that behavior, the stakes are smaller. But as they get bigger, the same behavior, there are bigger stakes. And it's good to address it while they're younger. Say what you mean, mean what you say. The second one is connect the dots. Help them understand what's happening when they're being disciplined. My wife, Jen, is so good at this. I, I still have room to grow. I'm more inclined to say, because I told you so. Right? I'm, I'm your dad. That's why, you know, but I'm growing. But help them, help them connect the dots. Help them see the why. We want what's best for you. We, we're preparing you for life. We, we love you. And we're... We're, we're trying to help you uh, grow and, and, and avoid making bigger mistakes in your life. All those things. I, I've started doing some of this with my kids, just connecting them to the why, and it makes a big difference. Connect it to a family value. Whether you have you know, actual family values or just implicit values, say things like, that's not who we are. That behavior, that, that's not who we are, and we, we want to help you kind of be who God's created you to be and us to be and who he wants us to be. Uh, connect it to relationships, Discipline to relationships, including your relationship with your child. When you do this, it, 
it affects our relationship. When you talk disrespectfully like that or you, or you disobey like that, it, it affects our relationship. It kind of weakens it. Not permanently, but it, it just kind of creates a bit of a disconnect. And remember, discipline is about teaching and, and connecting and correcting. It takes more work and creativity. The consequence should fit the crime whenever possible. Uh, when our oldest were younger, we, we had a babysitter one time, and we always ask the babysitters, you know, how'd it go? And they say, maybe they're just being nice. Oh, went, went, went well, went fine. But um, this one time, the babysitter said, no, no, it didn't go fine. She was in tears explaining how things went, and it was horrible. And so uh, Jen, uh, in her wisdom, this was, this was the consequence. She made the boys get their own money, go to the store, pick out some flowers, on their own, I think they were maybe like six and three at the time, go up to the door, knock on the door, hand her the flowers, and apologize for their behavior. <laughs> Consequence fits the crime. Can't always do that, but when we can, we should. We can connect it to themes like responsibility and, and freedom and openness and trust. I, if you're not using your freedom well, here, then maybe you, you may have to lose some freedom in another area or when it comes to screens, because we all want to just, this is what I want to do half the time. Okay, I'm taking your phone until you graduate from college, you know, like the Christmas <laughs> punishment. And that's not, probably not the right idea, but we can make a connection there. Like this is a privilege, right? And if you're not using your responsibility in other areas, then, then maybe for a time you need to lose your responsibility in this area. And include, we need to include coming back to them when we mess up as part of connecting the dots. Not if we mess up, but when we mess up. To go back to them and say, you know what, yeah, your behavior was, was wrong, but, but how I reacted to that was also wrong. And, and I want to apologize for how angry I got there. I was too angry. And, and I need to work on that. That's my part. I need to own that. And we... Um, have to connect the dots for them. I heard someone say recently that the anger is a result of love. Right? We, we get most angry about the, the things, the people, relationships that, that we love most. It doesn't excuse our anger, but it does explain it. It might even connect the dots for our kids to help them understand. I just love you so much, and sometimes my anger gets the best of me. I need to keep working on it. When you're giving them, a, when you're connecting the dots like this, you are giving them a coherent narrative less gaps, less incoherence. So as they get older, there'll be less gaps and more emotional intelligence as we talked about last week. The third one is put relationship before rules. I'm a compliant firstborn, a rule follower. This one's hard for me. I, I didn't say we shouldn't have rules. We shouldn't discipline our kids. That would be the opposite of love. Listen to Proverbs 13, 24. It says, those who love their children care enough to discipline them. And, and putting relationship first doesn't, doesn't mean that, that we just become like their friends. Right? They don't need us to just be another peer, another friend. They need us to be their parents and play the role only we can play. And yet, at the end of the day, when they're grown and gone, we don't want to be holding a dusty list of rules. We want to be holding a relationship with them. And if that's going to be the case, can't be all about the rules. I, I heard this uh, not that long ago that that rules without relationship equals rebellion, rejection. Same is also true 
right? Relationship without rules leads to rebellion because they don't have the boundaries or the guardrails in place. But we do want to have a relationship. How, how do we do this? What does this look like? Investing in the relationship. It's a phrase that I've kind of developed. Lean into what they're into. Lean into what they're into. Like actually take time to, to get into what they're, they're into, which I know for a lot of us is going to mean video games. And I resist that because growing up, it was so simple. We had B and A, and now there's A through Z and all the combinations, but to lean into what they're into. Remember that they're humans trying to figure, figure life out. Right? Especially when they're younger, sometimes we think we have these expectations. They should just know how to, no. Developmentally, they're not there yet. Emotionally, all those things. Remember they're a person, not a project. Show grace and flexibility sometimes. I'm not talking about giving in. We need to be consistent. So this is the exception, not the rule. I'm not talking about giving in. I'm talking about giving grace. Modeling God's grace for them. Giving them a taste of God's grace. Make, make age and stage adjustments, which I'm having to think of a lot about right now with a 15-year-old making those adjustments. I did a wedding this summer, and the groom and his dad have this great relationship, and I, I asked him, how'd that come about? And the groom said this. He said, my dad was just always making adjustments at each stage, and so by the time I became an adult, it just felt natural. So I, I've been praying about that. How do I make adjustments, appropriate adjustments with my boys? And then we can tell them. Tell them how much your relationship means, how much it matters to you. Now and in the future, my dad uh, wrote me a, a letter for my confirmation day. And in it, he shared some dreams that he had for me. And it's good, parents, to have dreams for your kids, as long as they aren't burdens or harnesses. Right? We want them to, to, be, to be launching pads and catapults, those dreams. And pretty general for the most part. But, but then he said this, I hope that we will be friends when you're older. Dad, I'm so, I'm so grateful that you told me that. And I'm grateful that we do have a friendship today. And I, I can't wait until we get to be a part of that live crowd next fall cheering on the Seahawks in, uh, in Seattle together like we do every year and weren't able to do this year. Most of all, have the big picture, the long view in mind. And we're gonna talk more about that next week. But now, as we think about relationships, hear this. God has put his relationship with you before the rules, before the law. Jesus, he sent Jesus to perfectly fulfill the law, the rules, so that he could have a relationship with us. That's the gospel. That's what the gospel does. It makes a relationship with Jesus possible because he lived, died, and rose again. Because he lived perfectly, we don't have to live or parent perfectly. Because he died we can be relieved of the regret and the shame and the burdens of our imperfections. And because he rose again, we too can rise again and we can be fueled in any situation we can rise again. And in any situation we can be fueled by a power greater than our own, the Holy Spirit. We read in scripture that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. We need that for parenting, right? So we don't have to be perfect parents or discipline our kids perfectly. More than anything else, we just need to know how perfectly loved we are by a perfect parent. Jesus looked at our imperfections and he still died on the cross for us out of God's great love for humanity, for you and for me. And the only way to become a parent who increasingly disciplines out of love is to remember that love, to experience that love, to know that love. 
that perfect love that casts out fear. And as the perfect parent, God also disciplines those he loves. And his discipline is always good for us. And he challenges and corrects us, stretches us to grow because he loves us as a perfect parent. And so the thought that I have for us is we can't discipline our kids well unless we are being disciplined well by him. And with that in mind, what is that one thing, that one next step that God is is pointing you toward? Next step that you can make to grow as a parent, to grow as a person, a leader, a teacher, a coach, whatever, however this applies to you. What is it? Not 25 things, but one thing, the one step that you can take. What is it? One thing you can start doing, one thing you can stop doing. And then whatever that is, write it down and then tell someone about it. I heard this recently, that when you write something down, it's 30% more likely to happen. When you tell someone, it's 70% more likely to happen because of the accountability and encouragement that, that it creates. So whatever that step is, I just wanna pray for you right now that God would give you all that you need to take that step and to grow. God, thank you for loving us perfectly. Before we do a thing, we are, we are all imperfect people, beautiful and broken, and yet you love us perfectly in Jesus. May that be our starting point or a restarting point for us as we consider and take that next step of growth as parents, as people. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come now and fuel that desire and that step. Do what only you can do. Thank you, God, for the hope that we have in you, for the healing that is possible in you. Just continue to help us grow and become more and more like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, I am so glad that you've joined us for Church at Home. Uh, Keep the conversation going. Keep reflecting and praying about what we've covered today. To that end, we have questions uh, for you that will be up at the end of the service. You can find them on our app as well. Some of the scripture verses that I reference in this message are also uh, listed there. Make sure you join us next week as we complete conclude our series, Our Imperfect Family. Now, before we end our time together, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.